In Flanders fields, the poppies blow, between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place. And in the sky, the larks still bravely singing fly, scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago, we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved. And now we lie in Flanders' fields. Part of In Flanders' Fields by John McRae and read there by Catherine Bruce. It's so evocative, isn't it, of not only World War I, clearly, uh, and the terrible, the dreadful losses, but words of that ilk bring a, a tangible emotion, I think, to the recent services of remembrance. I wonder how your church remembered. In your community, the One Voice Podcast. Well, the village of Harpole in Northamptonshire experienced the awful after-effects of the Great War, as you will hear in one of our forthcoming conversations. Out and About is where you'll find Matt Forsyth. This time, he catches up with someone who's been on this podcast once before, when she spoke about how Methodism visited the British Grand Prix. And what's the story behind the Chinese church in Leicester? All will become clear. Let's dive straight in and share with you a conversation between Matt Forsyth and Holly Adams and discover more about the event they both attended. Then it's village church life and a chapel that saw a new lease of life as recently as the 1980s. It's a story of foresight, determination and revival. So I'm here at Restore Hope uh, at the Amersham Methodist Circuit Vision Day. Uh, I'm here with a good friend, Holly Adams. Holly, how are you? I'm really well, thank you. And yeah, I'm really, really happy to be here with the Amersham Circuit. And it's great to be invited to be part of the Vision Day. So Holly, tell us your role. You're currently serving in the life of the Methodist Church. So I am the Evangelism and Contemporary Culture Officer, one of the longest job titles known to man, uh, for the connection, on the Connectional team. And I serve as part of the Evangelism and Growth team. So working alongside churches and circuits and districts as we consider how we step boldly and authentically into evangelism and mission. It's not like you've given that title or that blurb at all ever again. That's lovely. It's very good. Very succinct as well. Did it sound a bit rehearsed? It's very good. No, it's brilliant. And it's a really important role in the life of the Methodist Church, especially as we explore things like uh, evangelism and opportunities to share faith here at the Amersham Methodist Circuit Day. And Holly, um, tell us a little bit how you got involved with this day. Obviously, you work mm. for The Connection, so that's the wider Methodist Church. We're all part of The Connection, but obviously you have quite a broad, wide remit. So how do you get involved with uh, Amersham in mm. particular? Mm. Well, it's my passion to uh, journey alongside churches and circuits as they explore uh, their future and what mission looks like for them. And uh, Adam, the superintendent here in Amersham, reached out to me because he knew about my passion uh, for this particular thing. And he met me at one of the superintendent's weekends. 
And he invited me and you, Matt, didn't he, yeah. to come along and uh, just facilitate the day. So we're here not to tell people what to do or to give our ideas, but to just hold space as the people of Amersham Circuit explore together what it is that God's calling them to do. Yeah. And it's a real opportunity for us to work together mm. in this. And so what kind of, you've touched on it a little bit near the end there, that last answer, but what are some of your hopes um, in your involvement of being here at Amersham, what do you hope for as a result of being here, would you mm. say? Well, we've said that today is all about uh, establishing a plan for the circuit as they look at the next sort of three, five, seven years um, of their life as a circuit, thinking about the ways that they develop their outreach. And um, we're using the metaphor of throwing your net over the other side, using the passage from John 21, um, and we're thinking about the ways that the people of Amersham Circuit are fishers of folk. So it's my dream and hope that by the end of today that we will have come up with some ideas around the ways that they could develop their fishing skills in the Amersham Circuit, uh, to use the metaphor. And I hope that that will be a plan that they can put into place in the coming months and years. Yeah, and it's not an uncommon story, is it? We're seeing it across the connection uh, in circuits and across districts, indeed, of uh, what asking those questions what do we do next mm. what's the, the future look like for us uh, and that's where we have the real privilege as you say we're facilitating this conversation we're not leading it uh, we're not in charge of it we trust mm. that god's in this process in this conversation today mm. and what comes out of it will be a real opportunity for our calling to continue to be lived out for years to come especially for the good folks at amersham uh, as well in particular so um holly what's kind of been kind of one final um yeah, encouragement that you would give mm. to those that are listening maybe that are listening from a further afield across the connection or maybe in the Northampton district um, what would you encourage them you know, as a result of hearing our involvement here at Amersham? Well I think um, as you said earlier Matt this, this is not an uncommon, uncommon story you know mm. there are folks here who have been serving in their churches for 70 or 80 years um, 90 years in some cases and they are often weary and wondering what the future holds for their church and for their circuit but it's such an encouragement to me that folks are prepared to turn out uh, to days like today and to listen together to what God is calling them to do and I mean that just gives me a lot of hope and and I hope the people of the circuit are encouraged as well that the ways that they listen to God together continues to be a beautiful thing and that's all that really God asks us to do is to gather to break bread as we've done today, mm -hmm. to talk about God, to think about our calling and to step out in mission. And uh, we're, being, we're being encouraged to together today to do mm -hmm. that in, in new ways and in existing ways. And I hope that others listening to this podcast might be encouraged as well, that God is, God is speaking. Mm, definitely. And thank you for that encouragement. God is speaking. God is speaking to us today, we feel. And we hope that we can continue to encourage that conversation uh, in your circuits, in your churches, wherever you listen to. So do get in contact. If you're part of the Northampton Methodist District, listen to this. Uh, the mission team is here to support you, to encourage you, to lead days, just like we're doing so here in the Amersham Methodist circuits. Uh, and indeed, Holly is available to have conversations. If you uh, want to know more about all things evangelism, how you can share faith, there's loads of resources that Holly's been a part of pioneering and creating. That's on the Methodist Church website under the Evangelism and Growth tab. You can find the details also in the link descriptors of this podcast so you can find out more of how you can get involved with sharing your faith, sharing your story, uh, how God's continue to work in our lives. But listen in, folks, continue to be encouraged in how we might do that together. And um, we'll see you soon.
My thanks to the district mission enabler, Matt Forsyth, who was talking there to Holly Adams. So, just a couple of things to bring your attention to. The disability awareness charity Through the Roof are laying on a workshop for the district on the 12th of February next year from 6 till 8 in the evening. It's on Zoom and they ask you to please make sure that your circuit is represented on this. So that's the 12th of February next year. Ideally, it would be wonderful for them to see and welcome as many people from churches as possible. And registration is via the district office email address, which is this one, office at northamptonmethodistdistrict.co.uk. Office at northamptonmethodistdistrict.co.uk. And replies are needed by the 15th of December this year. Uh, and also, if you'd like to know more about the charity themselves through the roof, then you can go to this web address through the roof.org forward slash four churches forward slash roof breakers through the roof.org forward slash four churches forward slash roof breakers and the four in four churches is f-o-r by the way as opposed to the number now something from northampton methodist churches the last sunday service of the year is a circuit service at st andrew's methodist church at 10:30 in the morning on the 31st of december 2023 and they would really like to share some good news stories from worship and communities and to encourage everyone to share the new initiatives that are planned for next year so if you've got a story that you'd like to share please email the reverend ian forsyth with your news it's ian.forsyth at methodist-churches-northampton.org.uk and let's just say if you have news to share but aren't exactly comfortable with speaking at the service uh, please send details to ian and he'll be able to share it on your behalf the reverend ian is also looking for volunteers for bible or prayer readings that email address again ian.forsyth at methodist-churches-northampton.org.uk available in the most well-known podcast sites like apple podcasts google podcasts and spotify this is one voice barely 10 minutes away is a chat with the reverend calvin chung who's on hand to talk about the connection between Hong Kong and the Methodist Church in Leicestershire. First, though, someone who's at the centre of a village chapel. It's Mary Burt. This is One Voice. Mary, there's a, a wonderful fact, quite an astounding fact, that John Wesley himself preached here in Harpole to what was described as a thirsty multitude yes. in 1796. So there must be a, a real pride to anyone who comes here, who worships here, with that such a direct tie to, to Wesley. Yes, I think so, because not every Methodist church has got that. It wasn't long before they built the first chapel, which they'd had a bit of land given them and it was about 1835, 1836, so not that much longer after John Wesley. By the time we get to, I think, to the late 19th century, the chapel, it says, was full three times on a Sunday. Yes, it had to be extended in 1896 to accommodate the Methodists or the Wesleyans. Before the First World War, it was 
full house three times a day on a Sunday and they had a terrific choir and this is this has come from people who remember it that are long gone now but I talked to and uh, they used to um, produce things like Handel's Messiah and Elijah and fantastic bits of music it's a Methodist thing though uh, because in the previous Methodist hymn, or a previous Methodist hymn book, it began with Methodism was born in song. And a lot, I think, of Bible study was done through singing the hymns. The, the people were illiterate. I think we're a bit beyond that now, but the, the, the congregations were illiterate, but they could sing the hymns, and they could sing them when they were working and going to work. The building we're in now, uh, obviously, is... is considerably newer you know isn't the original building we'll come to that in a moment but I mean the first world war had a, as with so many villages had a devastating effect didn't it on Harpole I think something like 47 didn't return 47 died from the village I remember reading I think we've probably got the same notes there was a sense of disillusionment yeah. in so many things as there was in society at that time do, do you think that's something that we've never really recovered from well, I think at the time it was disillusionment, but by the time they'd started to get over their disillusionment, their lives had changed so significantly that it, it was other things that were stopping people from coming. When you think that there were 11 men from this chapel that died, we do get a few more than that in the congregation now, but, but it must have been such a blow to them. They were disillusioned with... Their living standards, um, programmes like Downton Abbey showed how life had changed after the First World War and people weren't going to be pushed around quite so much. When we um, jump to 1979, was sort of a pivotal time for, for this particular church, it was said, wasn't it, and, uh, the judgment was made that Methodism would have nowhere to base itself in five or ten years from that point, so the late 80s. But it kind of railed against that in Harpole, didn't it? Well, yeah, um, we could appreciate that the building we got, which was coming up to, well, 100 years old, needed a lot doing to it. And you couldn't expect people to turn out... Or even nowadays, I don't think, to churches that are that sort of age, 100 years old, that were uncomfortable and cold and damp and smelling of old age. And they were costly to run for the few people that did want to go for the nostalgic memory. A reality now of in and around Harpole, Mary, is that obviously you can't, for the moment, drive in from one side, the road is shut, which I'm sure has been extremely popular all the time and it's still got some time to run, but all the housing and the infrastructure that has and will spring up, is that an opportunity for the church, you think, even in a, a community hub kind of way? I think it is an opportunity, but how do we handle it? Because we're traditionalists and if people wanted tradition, they'd be here already. So we've got to find something new to encourage them. And I think there is hope on the horizon, but it's not what we're used to. Your involvement, when did it start? A, a little while ago. <laughs> I was born and brought up a Methodist, but lapsed in my teenage years. Got married, actually, 50 years ago. And my husband said, 
I'll take you up to church to meet everybody. So we went to the Anglican church and he introduced me to various people. And one of them said to me, oh good, another Bert in the village. We should be seeing you in church, no doubt. Well, panic stricken, I said, well, actually, I'm a Methodist. And he took a step back and he looked me up and down and said, well, you're very few and far between. And God moves in a mysterious way because I was incensed. And I thought, I'm going back to the Methodist church. What is church life for you now then, presently, Mary? Well, it's Sundays. And um, it's involvement with other churches and the circuit and it's a pleasure to meet with like-minded people it's also in Harpole a social venue where we for our mission we're trying to uh, do in inverted commas something every month that will attract people over the threshold Um, And we're doing fish and chip lunches and coffee mornings and teas and all sorts of things. And we get a regular support from sort of 40, 45 people. And we feel, well, we're all getting on. And we haven't, like I said earlier, we haven't got a decent pair of legs between us to do door knocking or anything. So we we sort of need people to come to us. And you've got some very interesting... um groups haven't you calligraphy oh yes yes these are people that use the building rather than and support us in that way um we have the art group we have brownies and guides and yoga and heritage i'm guessing that you find uh, life around the church here very fulfilling yes it is it's quite it's quite busy as well because there's um a group of us that are sort of the hardcore that do everything the chapel fairies you know that other people don't see who puts the chairs out on a sunday and so on i think with the with a lot of church going now where the traditionalists hopefully could be kept going until there are no more traditionalists and a new um, type of worship comes in wonderful to be able to spend some time with Mary Burt, thank you to Mary for giving up some of her morning to record that conversation at the chapel in Harpole. And if you ever see Mary, do ask her about the cat and its connection to her daughter and Methodism. Intrigued? I thought you might be. Now, it's time for our final story and we reach into our district resources. My name is Calvin, Calvin Chow. I'm a minister at Via de Cora. I take care of two Chinese churches uh, at the moment, uh, one in uh, Labra Circuit and another in Derby Circuit. Okay, let's start off with your own journey of faith, your faith journey, Calvin. How did you become a Christian? I believed in God when I got a serious disease, tuberculosis, the lung disease, when I was in Hong Kong. At that time, I was a teenager. I applied for a student visa to Canada to further my study in the university. At that time, I needed to have the X-ray examination. And then after the examination, 
I knew that I got that illness. And then it upset my plan and upset my future at that time. So I, I needed to be serious of medication, like the vaccines and nearly twice a week, I need to went to the uh, clinic to have the medication, put the vaccine and, take, and took a bowl of drugs. I went through that medication with peace and joy. I, I remember when I went to the clinic, Ahim's always around to me, God will make a way. God will make a way by, by Don Warren. And that made me uh, feel peace when I went through the medication. I think God will make another way for me. I have, do you, you heard about the British Personality Selection Scheme before 1997 in Hong Kong? Around 50,000 families got that uh, visa, not just visa, got the British passport and can move to this country by that scheme. So I, uh, I, I was the one of those family that British government allowed me to move this, to this country. Mm. I moved to this country in 2003. God will make a way for me. That's a good example. Quite so. It sounds like there have been some very clear signposts, if we can call them that, along the way. And that's, I was going to ask you about the settlement program there. You've just mentioned Calvin establishing from from Hong Kong. What, what was? Can you kind of just give us a, a some small sense of why that came to be? Why the settlement program happened in the first place? I think at the political situation at 1997, the British government would like to stabilize the situation in Hong Kong. They let fifty thousand families in Hong Kong. They got that. British passport, and then they have the security to stay in Hong Kong continually or move to UK. That's the, the promise by the British government. And this scheme is to, I think it's a miracle for me that why I can move to this country 20 years ago. You obviously feel, and others I dare say too, feel extremely blessed by this which is lovely to to hear and the church's response what has that been how has it helped all those kind of related things so in 2003 i moved to this country i my first uh, place to settle in is in solihull near birmingham and then i was welcomed by the minister there a chinese methodist church minister weapon prayed there and then i started to go to church in Birmingham. And then I equipped myself, I helped, I served the church, and then I got the calling to serve the Chinese ministry. And later, I think Matthew 13, 31st, the kingdom of heaven is just like a master seed, though it's, a, it's the smallest of all seeds. But yet, when it grows, it becomes the largest prong in the garden and becomes a tree. And this parable teaches me that I am weak, insufficient, and not too well-educated. But God used me to serve the Chinese ministry. The first-generation Christians, they were maybe excellent fishermen with the help of the Holy Spirit. And Peter, John, later, and become a good preacher. And this is my objective. Since my native English, I am not a native English speaker. My accent maybe is difficult for the British to hear. 
But when I move small steps, God help and even push me uh, forward. So leading the Chinese church at Trinity, what kinds of experiences has that shown you, Calvin? I started my ministry in Napa at the very early beginning. This is a small church around 20 members. And then we went Church of England chapels in uh, Corpus Chapel. So I started ministry like that. And then I think due to the BNO uh, visa scheme, there's a lot of people from Hong Kong moved to this country. And then the small chapel is not sufficient enough for us to settle in, in there. So the circuit provide the biggest church in the circuit for me. That's the Trinity has his arrangement, God provide. Even I got grand piano uh, from the Leicester circuit. Sadly, there's a one English church in Leicester coaching down. Then I get that grand piano to put into the Trinity oh, yeah. for our youth league. So I think God provide a lot for us to carry on his service. Our congregation in Napa is, I think, more than 150 every every Sunday. And we got around 40, 50 children. That's, I think, all are provided by God. Yes, that's who obviously also provides musical instruments. You, If, if, if anybody needs a, a piano sourcing, you're obviously the person to, uh, to go and see, Calvin. You know, staying with Trinity's, the sort of stories of hope, what stories? How have you been struck by those stories of hope? I think that we started a youth program at the moment, and then coming December, we have a day camp for the teenagers. I think start from 20th to 30th of December, we have three day camps. We would like to entertain all the youth in the church or invite some more, church, uh, some more teenagers to join the program. The day camp is the start, and after that, uh, we have a series of programs every week from January to June next year. And then we hope our YouTube program will running well. And then uh, I have a vision. I would like every child or young adult should be taken care of by five adults in the church. That's my vision. If one kid in the church take care by five adults, that kid should be well nourished or well cared by five adults. That, that's my hope. Mm. And it really is, Calvin, a wonderful idea that those children will then obviously be surrounded and enhanced by all those really positive influences. We've heard a few times on this podcast in, in other episodes about revival and various individual opinions, assessments on it. And at the, the end here of, of, of certainly this conversation, what would you say are your hopes for the, the British Methodist Church and uh, that idea of people coming back or at least, you know, uh, people being there in the first place? I think if our youth program is running properly and then the church will have our hope, the second generation will grow in our church. At that kind of sense, I think uh, the bit. This Methodist church will have their future. It's a big thank you to Matt Forsyth, Holly Adams, the Reverend Calvin Chung and Mary Burt. Thank you for listening. And we'll meet up again in December. Nearly Christmas. 
cities, community and what brings us together.